Content warning. The film being discussed in today's episode contains graphic depictions of sexual assault and triggering language. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Carnal Extremities podcast, a podcast focusing on extreme movies and extreme music. I'm your host, as always, Reina Cervantes, um, horror movie expert extraordinaire. I don't know. I don't know if I feel comfortable calling myself that. Whatever. We're winging it. (laughs) Uh, It's been a long time. Uh, Joining me, as always, is... I'm your host, Vanna, and I'm a self-proclaimed horror academic, I guess. We'll go with that. that. (laughs) Yeah, that's not like self-proclaimed anymore. It's like official, official, right? Yeah, almost. Um, I did finish my thesis and finish my master's. Um, I'm just technically waiting for the publishing house to, you know, approve it, so... We're almost officially official. (laughs) Of course, of course. Um, Hence, uh, that was one of the reasons uh, we took a a very long break. Uh, A break that was longer than anticipated, I would say. Yeah, it's been a a rough spring, but we're back. (laughs) We survived. Hopefully for good. (laughs) Yeah, we we survived. I was busy with writing a couple top secret projects. And traveling, and you were busy with school, so it's just kind of like, I don't know, this this whole endeavor fell by the wayside, unfortunately. Yeah, but now it's summer, and hopefully that brings lots of free time to talk about a bunch of really messed up movies. <laughs> it is sad goth summer. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> I don't know why I voiced that just now. We could have easily inserted like an air horn sound effect, but whatever. We'll roll with it. We'll, we'll vibe. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. I, I appreciate the, the sound effects. So aside from school, I'm sure people are dying to know. What else have you been up to? Have you been up to anything exciting? Done anything cool lately? Um, Smoked a really good joint or anything? Like... What what's new in the world of Vanna? Um good question. Um yeah, mostly just school, uh finishing my thesis. That took up the majority of my entire energy reserve and mental capacities. Um other than that, I recently performed in a ballet as I do since um I dance with a ballet company. Um, other than that, that's uh, that's about it. Enjoying my very, very recent influx of free time. <laughs> uh, looking for some more full-time gigs, I guess. Um, but we'll see what happens over the summer. I don't know. Nothing too exciting. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're on your black swan shit, I see. Yeah, yeah, always. <laughs> I mean, I I had to drop a hint that we're gonna cover that at some point. I think, I think. Question mark. Oh yeah, I think I. Uh, yeah, I will never turn down an opportunity to talk about that movie. I yeah, I love it. I I I think we need to clear the air on some things because we had that poll on Twitter at mm. Carnal Ex Pod asking what everyone's favorite extreme horror film is and we got some interesting responses no yeah i was actually really surprised with like first of all how many people responded but yeah there's quite a quite a few i thought it might be a little more obvious maybe but yeah lots of interesting responses i feel like people hear the term extreme horror 
and hear me out, this is where I'm going with this, and think only like the NC-17 top gruesome stuff. We established in our first episode, extreme is anything that can cause discomfort in somebody, like a visceral reaction. So hence... Yeah, yeah. So hence why I think we're pivoting more to the, oh, extreme movies. Because there can be extreme movies and then have them not be horror, I think. Do you think? Yeah, I think quite quite a bit of extreme, quote unquote, or some of the most disturbing or unsettling films I see talked about typically toe the like horror drama Mm -hmm. Um, line I think like dramas um, especially when we get into like psychologically disturbing things um, more so than like gore or like body or I think those things tend to be a little more on the drama side or even action thriller sometimes Um, yeah I don't know yeah I think a lot of my favorite things even though I talk about them often in relation to horror probably aren't even really traditionally set under what is considered horror. Like I think a good example might be like David Lynch. I think his works are often talked about like in the horror community, but if you really, you know, dissected it, like technically a lot of his films aren't necessarily what you think of as as horror you know i guess you know like if you were like (laughs) trying to make a checklist which i think you know genre itself genres are pretty um not as clear-cut as people think they are but you know like a lot of the stuff that's the most um most disturbing is usually harder to categorize (laughs) yeah and if you want wanted like that focus on films like human guinea pig and whatnot there are like plenty of podcasts out there already covering the extreme horror genre. Um, but I think the intent with you and I for this one was to cover like any movie we felt triggers a, a visceral reaction out of people, not just explicitly extreme horror, just kind of anything that evokes like a reaction, be it emotional or physical. Yeah, I think uh I think subversive is probably a a good um a good term like things that really subvert the status quo or challenge viewers in any way like whatever that challenge might be. Um and that challenge mm-hmm. can be different for a lot of different viewers. Um I think we kind of mentioned in like maybe our first couple episodes like I think I mentioned like the disturbing movie iceberg and i think you know i think even stuff that's at the at the top at the surface level um is just as worthy of discussion as the bottom depths of the iceberg um because you know lots of you know fans start somewhere or lots of people like might not watch movies because um of the expectations going in. So I think it's fun to cover, cover like cast a a broad net, cover a lot of different things because you never know, you know, you never know who, (laughs) who might be listening, I guess. Mm -hmm. Precisely. Precisely. I think our goal always was to have this be like accessible as humanly possible. Um, If someone's not comfortable with watching certain movies case in point the movie we're covering today we want to have stuff for you as well um we're also just like very like well-versed gals like we know our shit (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and i think like i don't know yeah just uh everyone comes into like why horror is so um so amazing i think as a genre is because it affects everyone so differently so obviously any sort of label or um descriptor 
is going to have a really different meaning to everyone. So obviously there's going to be things that disturb you or upset you that don't disturb other people. So like, you know, I like if, (laughs) if we were to only cover movies that specifically uh, frightened us or something, I'm sure the pool of films would be a lot smaller. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It'd be like three movies for me. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I think, yeah, I I mm-hmm. I like being able to have uh, really accessible, like, discussions or movies or, like, I don't know. Like, I used to talk a lot about, like, gate- gatekeeping on TikTok and stuff like that. So, um, obviously, accessibility is, is a big priority. It's like, it's like being bisexual. Why would you limit yourself to only one flavor? No, kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it, there's so much good stuff out there. <laughs> yeah, why limit your taste? Um, that doesn't mean we're not going to cover the extreme stuff because case in point today we are going to be talking about the staples of the quote-unquote extreme genre and I mean, I think looking at our slate, <laughs> it's going to get um pretty pretty intense from here on out. Yeah, and I think if we covered like the craziest stuff first, there wouldn't be a lot to look forward to, maybe. So I think yeah. it's worthwhile to keep some of that stuff. Um, which, again, like you mentioned, there's there's probably been plenty of discussion of some of those uh, movies that everyone typically thinks of, mm-hmm. like when you first mention extreme. So um, I think it's kind of fun to let those. Uh, you know sit in the reserve until we're ready to cover them you know because we got to have somewhere to go (laughs) i've already been asked when we're covering martyrs so it's like but that's a movie that everybody's covered already like i feel like we have to build up to it no yeah yeah i think so i mean obviously i am very excited to cover it when we get there but yeah Mm -hmm. i think it's fun to kind of like work our way Work yeah. our way down. Mm-hmm. We'll totally cover the remake first before we do the original. <laughs> no, I that's... have not seen the remake. So... Oh, okay. So that's a movie we'll probably be covering at some point. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but you catch my drift. Um, which, uh, you, yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, the pod is all in good fun. We're here just to talk about movies and music that we like. Um, but yeah, I, I I would say like now that we've done a few episodes and then stepped away for a little bit to focus on other things and now we're back, our like focus is like a little bit more laser sighted. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm very excited, especially just like brainstorming some of some films we could cover um but yeah like you said having to step back um makes me pretty excited to come back you know (laughs) yes and it is at this point i will say we will be bringing on guests at some point as well yeah i'm very excited i'm very excited to have some guests We'll, we'll we'll bring in new perspectives some exciting voices and horror to discuss with us sorry i feel like i'm like coughing up a lung over here (laughs) oh no (laughs) but um i'm alive um you're alive we are back we're focused we're ready to watch more terrifier 2 at some point um (laughs) um should we just hop into this movie that we're covering today i think so i think it's time you think it's time uh 13 minutes yeah don't edit this out leave it all in (laughs) (laughs) yeah we always we we always talk so much whenever we talk we always have so much to say oh god i feel like one of the first episodes it was like 35 minutes before we jumped in the movie yeah (laughs) um okay so the movie we're covering today is drum roll please and that was like more wookie talk than anything but um (laughs) irreversible the straight cut written and directed by gaspar noe and originally released in the usa on march 7 2003 
The film stars Monica Bellucci, Vincent Cassell, and Albert Dupontel. The original film follows the events over the course of one traumatic night in Paris as they unfold in reverse chronological order as the beautiful Alex is brutally sexually assaulted and beaten by a stranger in an underpass tunnel. In 2019, a new version of the film titled The Straight Cut was released and that rearranged the film in chronological order where it screamed at Venice Film Festival that year. The Straight Cut was finally released in Los Angeles and New York in February of 2023 to celebrate the anniversary of the film. 20 years already. Good Lord. It saw a home media release this month um, from Altered Innocence as well, along with the original cut and a bevy of special features. Vanna, what is your experience with Irreversible? Um, I guess we could talk about the first one for a little bit first before we jump right into the straight cut. Yeah. Um, let's see. I think it was a couple years ago I saw Irreversible for the first time. Um, I went in pretty blind, I think. Uh unfortunately <laughs> mm-hmm. um i think it was on Tubi. It, it jumps like on Tubi and off every now and then uh and i was just looking for something to watch um mm-hmm. casually it was something strolling. that i think <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it it was a um like the little like poster the little um image that shows i think i'd seen uh come up in like lists and things that I had looked up on Letterboxd so it was something that I knew I wanted to watch but I think but I'm someone who typically likes to go in pretty blind so I don't think I actually um really investigated what it was about like I think I knew it was about revenge but I didn't really know anything other than that Mm -hmm. um so yeah so one one spring day um Mm -hmm. In my apartment, I turned on Irreversible and... And just decided you were going to ruin your whole fucking day. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really did not anticipate how much that movie actually affected me. Not a lot affects me. Um, I'm pretty desensitized uh, in general, but this one uh, sticks with you. And then um, I did revisit it um within a few days before we were actually able to go see the straight cut um i went and saw a screening of it at the frida in santa Ana, uh, which is a wonderful little independent theater uh because i wrote my thesis that i just finished on the rape revenge uh narrative structure and how it's changed over time so i did not want to miss an opportunity to see uh, one of the like most well-crafted, um, I guess, rape revenge films uh, on the big screen. And then we saw it together in the straight cut. So, yeah, that's my 
overall journey as far as uh, Irreversible goes. So I've only seen it like three times, like my first watch and then the original and straight cut within a few days of each other a couple months ago. Cheese, 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 cheese. Um I don't even know how I follow that up. Um, I used to have like <laughs> a group of friends in high school that we would always meet together uh, every Friday night and everyone would try to bring the most like fucked up movie they've ever seen. Um, it's actually how I saw a lot of extreme horror. Um, <laughs> and my friend, he brought this one. He was like, dude, it's a French movie. And I hear the middle part of it is just absolutely the most messed up thing you've ever seen. And we're like, it can't be that bad. Keep in mind, we had already <laughs> watched stuff like August Underground and whatnot already. Um, but yeah, we watched Irreversible. We got to the centerpiece, which is, I I feel really weird calling it a centerpiece, but the extended rape scene and yeah it's a it's a lot to take in um i don't know how i felt about it at the time especially because i was on an edible (laughs) Um, oh no (laughs) yeah um and it rocked me to my core um so then i i ended up buying it at a record store in 2019 and re-watching it and um saw the craft that was on display uh, with with the storytelling how it works in reverse order and some of the heavy strong performances that are given in this film not to mention like the directing like once they hit the rectum and the camera starts spinning and it just like whips like total ass like filmmaking wise um so yeah and then i heard about beyond fest shout out was hosting a screening with gaspar no in attendance of the straight cut and uh i bought tickets and i texted vanna and i was like listen we're going to this (laughs) yeah i'm i'm so excited that we got to do that like the fact that he was there like he doesn't do that yeah he like never comes to the states like very rarely i think he said what it had been like 10 years since he had been here last so we saw the straight cut on a big screen and it's famous for telling the film in chronological order. What were like when you heard about this cut, this infamous version that Noe was working on? What were your like initial thoughts hearing that like this movie that's famous for being told in reverse is being told in chronological order now? I um I think I have similar thoughts to Gaspar himself on this one I was just like why um I think the reverse chronology is obviously so important to I guess like the thesis of the film and like like I was kind of like but that's like the whole point (laughs) so I was like I don't understand why like what the need is for that but uh I was still I guess interested uh but yeah, I guess like the um, the reverse chronology and like the displacement of the rape in relation to the like overall plot is a really specific thing that I like about the film and uh, something that I actually like mentioned in my thesis specifically, like the actual um, like chronology like in the overall uh narrative so yeah at first i was like i don't know why this needs to happen but i didn't want to fully write it off and i was still interested especially uh knowing that he like oversaw the cut and everything i was like okay well if he was willing to do that even though it goes against his original intention then then i will trust the process and see what happens Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i yeah i don't know how did you feel i was more worried about tone if it would still carry the same weight that the original version does Mm -hmm. um because the first movie is is the first movie like it's a sequel the original cut (laughs) is 
very intentional in what it does and the tones it sets out for. You start off with the heinous acts of violence. Then you move to the rape. And then you move into like the hours leading up to it. Um, it, It's a very like sad tone almost like you see the destruction first and then you see what led up to it. Um, And I wasn't sure how that was going to play in the straight cut, to be honest. Um, But the way it pans out is it feels like you have a pot of water on the stovetop. You cranked it up to high and you left, you let it be. It feels like the movie is reaching a boiling point that you just know at some point it's going to blow up, Um, which in a way makes it just as anxious, if not a little bit more than the original theatrical cut. I'm curious to what you thought about that. Yeah, I think the the way it progresses in the original cut is like the end is so heartbreaking like i think even though um the assault itself like uh imprinted itself on my eyeballs and <laughs> i was not really able to get that image out of my mind um like when i was trying to go to sleep later like after the first time i watched it but um but the overall film the impact it had was a feeling of sadness um like for Alex and and everything like that. So even though it had such a disturbing scene, the the overall effect of the film was not didn't have that same kind of um vibe as if you watched something that was like super gory or something like that. Um so yeah, I was I was a little interested to see how uh how it affected me in a different way um i guess because it wasn't our first viewing um and you know what's gonna happen now that it is chronological you're like you know like you said kind of expecting that that pot to boil over because you know it will um but there are quite a few first time viewers in our audience i think so i'm I'm almost like really interested. Like, I wish I could get like a survey from every person that went like and see Mm -hmm. different reactions based on whether it was their first viewing or not, because, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I I think, like you said, because we knew what was going to come, it had a very different effect. But if it was just like your first viewing, then it technically plays out like a typical, any other rape revenge film. Mm -hmm. Um, other than being much more <laughs> disturbing, I think, than most uh, because of the way the scene is filmed. But yeah, so I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to really think about how different it is uh, just because of the fact that we've technically seen it before. I don't know. I think right off of the like right off of the bat, the thing that stuck out to me the most was how different the characters of Marcus and Pierre felt in this film. Um, Because the theatrical one, it opens up with Pierre and the rectum um, bashing the the man's head in with a fire extinguisher. Right. And then you find out later on, he was the more passive one. So this cut, you see more of his downfall. You see Marcus as the hothead, like right from the jump. Like, the roles are almost reversed right away. Yeah, I think um, the fact that the original cut being in reverse order, um, it really makes Alex the center of the film, uh, even though it is a, like, male hero category of rape revenge. Because, like, in in a typical rape revenge film where um, the assault happens and so the um, person who was assaulted is either dead and someone else avenges them or they become their own avenger. Um, so then like the 
woman who was assaulted becomes like secondary in the rape revenge film when it's like a guy like boyfriend or father or someone avenging them it's like more about them um so it's really interesting that because it's in reverse order she's still the focus after the assault um so now being in chronological order i i was definitely much more focused on not just marcus but pierre because obviously marcus's like extreme like violent form of masculinity is is obviously like a focal point but because we spend so much time with him uh before the assault in the original cut like i almost forget that pierre like like opens up someone's skull with a fire extinguisher like it's such a shocking first image but then because it's the first image um it's kind of you know over overthrown i guess by the rest of the film but having that be the end of the film i was like oh pierre like yeah like this is quite (laughs) let's be honest irreversible starts with a proverbial like punch to the fucking mouth like you're yeah. disoriented right from the jump. You don't know who these characters are, where they're at, what they're doing. And yeah, like you said, you kind of forget that the first like opening image of Pierre is him bludgeoning someone to death. Um, But in this one, yeah, you do see that character. Like, I'm not going to say growth. <laughs> you see that character like, <laughs> like fall apart throughout the movie and reach that point and i the 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 dynamics that they all have play very differently in the straight cut not worse different because i do think this version is still just as worthwhile as the original version which is something i didn't fully expect um i like that you said that the original cut puts alex front and center because this one feels like it puts pierre and marcus front and center like two sides of the same coin yeah it's it's really interesting because it's it is very obviously still uh even though she's the focus because it ends uh with the like earlier uh events of the evening um where Mm. it would like technically be a happy ending if we didn't know what happened to her later um but it's like still obviously about masculinity so it's really interesting that it makes her the focal point while also still making the theme about about masculinity and things like that but yeah spending so much time I think also like with how I felt about Marcus specifically, like I was like, he's this guy is such an ass, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, so it's really, it's really hard to see him be so like violent and insulting and bigoted at the beginning. And then the way he's kind of like an ass to her at the party. And then, you know, at the end you see that like they're all cute when they're alone and things like that. So it's really interesting to see that like flipped and i think i maybe i don't want to say felt for him a little more because he's still obviously oh my so flawed and like that's the point but like you still i still felt like i I felt the gut punch when he saw alex yes i was going to bring uh, that a little bit more yeah that that scene i think is the devastating scene for the straight cut it's it's the one where yeah, because like like you said, like the original theatrical cut, he's just this obnoxious, bigoted asshole. Like, what's going down? How am I supposed to feel for this character? But the straight cut, you have all of that build up toward it, and then the moment he walks out and he sees Alex on the stretcher, and it's just like it feels like someone fucking punched you right in the gut. Yeah, which I mean kind of plays into like what the point I think of it being reverse chronological order is um like the reason I brought it up in my thesis was in relation to 
the 2020 film Violation. Um, I don't know if you've seen that, but that film is also not in chronological order um, specifically to make you question uh, like whether or not you're on board with the revenge because you haven't seen the act that triggered the revenge yet. So like typically um, most audiences need to see why revenge is being taken first in order to like feel morally okay with like accepting the violence that they're about to witness like in the final act so it's really interesting to have a film present the violent revenge first and then give you the reason why later but it's still so interesting it's still so interesting chronological order as well like I really did not think I would see such merit in the straight cut like you said Mm -hmm. Um, like obviously it's it's still the same footage like it's it's not a different film but it totally feels like a different film Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know it's hard to make sense like people even after I tweeted about going to the screening people were asking me like oh well which one do you think is more disturbing or which one is and I was like I don't even know how to answer because it's 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 just such a different viewing experience that it's hard. Obviously I love the original cut and I value it so much. Um, but it's, it's not as clear cut as being like, Oh yeah, the original is better. It's like, just, it's just different. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I, I got to talk about the scene with the salt of Alex where like the straight cut, (laughs) the straight cut, it almost, it almost, I can't pick which one has more impact because I feel how, how do I word this properly? My heart sank even more when that scene hit knowing she was pregnant from the start. Yeah. Like I think that's why the gut punch in the original is the end of the film because you're like, Oh, like that's you know you finally at the end of the film you find out yeah you're like what a happy note to end on but also like very sad yeah it makes you sad to know that that life like her life was wasted and Mm -hmm. and things like you know that time destroys all things as the as the film tells us at the beginning and end but yeah i don't know but (laughs) knowing yeah knowing that from the beginning it it makes that scene hit different like obviously it's disturbing regardless mm-hmm. but yeah that goes without um, saying the fact that it that's sitting in your mind mm-hmm. while you're that's watching all it, rather I thought than, about like, finding it out later yeah i was like that, oh my gosh this is so tragic that's and... all i thought about the entire scene it was happening And I think that's all I was thinking about. And it was to the point that like I had seen this scene like numerous times beforehand. So I knew Mm -hmm. what it consisted of. But with that new context, I was sitting there and I don't know if you saw me in the theater, but I was I was looking away at one point. Like I was just staring down at my feet. Yeah, it's it's obviously hard to watch either way. But yeah, having that sitting in your mind, like even obviously in the original cut you're putting those pieces together Mm -hmm. later um but yeah but having that sitting with you the whole time um is interesting and also again back to like putting pieces together later um it's really interesting to have some of the things that Alex talks about earlier in the film presented first. Like she talks about her dream where she's in a red tunnel and obviously the tunnel that she's in when she's assaulted is a red tunnel. And then after that conversation, they're on their way to the party and she talks about the book she's reading where like dreams are premonitions and things like that. So it's like very obviously piecing together that she technically knew this was going to happen because she had a dream about the red tunnel. So it's really interesting having those little, um, I guess, Easter eggs foreshadowing elements. Uh, like, yeah, they're, they're presented to you first. So then when it's all happening, you're, 
it, it gives your brain a little bit more to think about while you're watching the rest of the film. So it's just mm-hmm. interesting, which I, I think also just points to how beautifully crafted it was from the beginning. And um, like the fact that he had all of those things already in there, but in reverse order, um, like the fact that it comes together so beautifully mm-hmm. when re recut uh to be chronological i think it just highlights even more how how amazing of a film it like he had such a vision and he executed it so well that you can completely recut the film and it's just as masterful i don't know yeah it's just an interesting filmmaker he is and that's the important piece to all of this is that the pieces are there And I think any artist can arrange them in a certain manner and have it make sense either way. Um, It plays to his strength and his editing skills as a filmmaker that he's able to craft these two wildly different and tonally different experiences. And you still walk away with some of those same general themes and feelings. Yeah, I think I think he um he saw that the film was doing something different when he recut it because the um like at the beginning of the film in the original cut it says that time destroys all things and I think the the characters that are talking that have that dialogue st- still say that in their dialogue but um when the film is like flashing like all those words and the credits and things like that it it brings up the message that time destroys all things in the original cut but then in the uh straight cut it was changed and what flashed on the screen was that time reveals all things so um i think it's interesting that not only did he recut it but that he edited the thesis of the film which is what i think that like like card of text is doing is presenting you with <laughs> mm-hmm. like the the overall theme so i think it's it's it just interesting that he decided to change that as well i don't know 100% 100% um i want to talk a little bit about the theatrical experience of seeing this on the big screen cuz um, mm-hmm. The straight cut was my first time seeing this on the big screen. And uh, we all know Noe talks about f- infamously about the lower decibels used in the scene in the rectum and how they intentionally use the lower decibel that's been known to cause anxiety in the human brain. But you can only like really hear it like in a theatrical setting. So shout out to the Aero Theater. Uh, I guess he inspected the screen and the sound beforehand. And wow, let me tell you, that hits a lot different on the big screen. It sure does. Uh, Yeah, even though I did see it, uh, I saw the original cut at the Frida uh, a few days prior. Um, They definitely... Uh, don't have I guess quite the same quality of a sound system as (laughs) the arrow because I did not feel that at all and obviously like my first time watching it was at home and so I was like "Eh, obviously at home in my living room with my tv that's mounted on the wall like I'm not gonna feel that but um, I didn't feel it either when I saw it the original cut but then (laughs) So I was like, oh, maybe maybe it just doesn't affect me. I don't know. But then I was like, oh, no, my tummy hurts. (laughs) Tummy feel bad. um, (laughs) Yeah, because it's there's also like there's such crazy camera work at the beginning as it's like kind of spiraling through. Oh, it looks uh, the city and that sound is going. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, I I feel. I'll feel it. I'm feeling it. <laughs> it's it's so, rough. Um, that was really interesting. That was. I'm really glad 
I, I guess that's weird to say, but I'm glad I got to experience that because, I, you know, it's uh, it's not often that movies make you feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> At least in my case. <laughs> For real. I was like, wow, we, I don't like the way this is making me feel. Um, It does look gorgeous on a big screen, though. That 16 millimeter, like, like film. Oh, my gosh. It's shot it beautifully. So and like the grain in it, like loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, this is a movie I really went from like not sure how I feel about it to being like an unapologetic fan about it. Um like yeah, I hundred percent don't will openly say, Yeah, I love this movie. It's uh it's very layered. Sure it has that shock value that on the surface is there just to be shocking, but peel back the layers on it and it's it's got a lot going on under the hood yeah it's so it's so interesting and obviously um like respect to anyone who does not want to uh watch that kind of content like that is totally valid but i do not support (laughs) people like you know saying that it's garbage or i don't know people some people i recently have seen his name brought up in um like a judgy post and so like like a red flag if someone says that they like these directors and i was like get out i was just like all right (laughs) get out yeah i was just like okay like there's no regardless of whether or not you can handle the content there's no denying that there's really interesting things going on um he has such a vision um obviously it's shock value but i don't think that that's not substance in itself uh, especially because it's it's it came out around um like the rise of like the new french extremity movement so obviously shock value and e- extreme gratuitous violence was was becoming more popular and for specific reasons like cultural um political reasons it very much mirrors exactly what was going on in the early 2000s here with like torture porn so um i just i challenge anyone who can stomach the material to see the value that it has um i don't know shocking disturbing things are not just garbage and yeah, it's, it, it's it's shocking, but there's a reason that people need to be presented with that. I don't I don't get yeah. it. I don't get it. People will say like, oh, red flag if you like his movie, but we'll probably go on in a post later on to say like Climax is one of their favorite A24 films. Like, yeah, which oh, that one come is on. also not a fun viewing experience either. Oh my. Very anxiety inducing. Oh my. Um, I actually do think that one's a fun viewing experience, but that's just me. I mean, I love it. I love it, but I just mean uh traditionally like people are not going to like Oh no, yeah. It's not totally, a happy film. Totally. Totally. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> I'm like the argument can be made that it's a happy film. I yeah, I guess. So. We'll, we'll but, save that yeah, for I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I just mean I know a lot of people um, because of their own personal issues with like anxiety uh, disorders and or traumatic drug experiences do not have a great time mm-hmm. <laughs> when I show them movies about people tripping on drugs so Mm -hmm. um so yeah but but obviously i i love it and i love his work but yeah people just want to boo anything that challenges them (laughs) i don't know yeah which we obviously the point of our podcast yeah films that challenge its audience (laughs) films that challenge you i i think totally watch both of them they're both really good I'm not, we're not sponsored by like vinegar, vinegar syndrome or anything, but you can order a gorgeous Blu-ray of both cuts right now on their web store. I mean, that's how I got it. Um, But yeah, totally recommend it. 
open your mind, sit back, take it all in, um, have a good cry afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> then, uh, yeah. Take take a real, real hard look at it. Yeah. On that note, uh, vanity. Do you, I I, I kind of think of a good segue, but do you just want to like uh bring up uh the music that we're pairing? with this film today this was a really really tough pairing please nobody give me shit um i did my best to pair this up with something because (laughs) vanna had no suggestions (laughs) yeah i'm sure as we as we talk about it it'll make more sense but the album that we're pairing with irreversible the straight cut is alive 2007 by daft punk which was released november 19th 2007 um, and in case you don't know, Daft Punk uh, were a French electronic music duo formed in 1993 in Paris by Thomas Bangalter, um, who was the music composer for Irreversible. So there's one connection there. Uh, and Guy Manuel de Homem Cristo. Uh, they achieved popularity in the late 1990s as part of the French house movement, uh, combining elements of house music with funk, uh, disco, rock, and pop. Um, and they garnered acclaim and commercial success and are regarded as one of the most influential acts in dance music. Uh, Alive 2007 is taken from Daft Punk's performance at the Palace Omnisport de Paris-Bercy, which is in Paris, on uh, June 14th, 2007. And this performance includes remixed versions of many of their most popular tracks, such as mixing vocal elements from Too Long with new music and mixed elements of Television Rules the Nation with Crescendals around the world with Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger, and Superheroes with Human After All. On December 3rd, 2008, Alive 2007 and its single Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger received Grammy Awards nominations for Best Electronic Dance Album and Best Dance Recording, respectively. Both the, the album and the single were announced as winners during the 51st Grammy Awards pre-telecast ceremony. And uh, Thomas uh, Bungalter explained his reasons for not releasing a DVD of the album by stating that the thousands of clips on the internet are better to us than any DVD that could have been released. So, why did we pair, or why did you choose <laughs> um, Alive 2007 to pair with Irreversible? Because Thomas Bungalter did the score for irreversible um right off of the bat um so that anxiety inducing drone sound that you hear that's like that's a that's one half of daft punk doing that which i did not know until recently uh which is very random um but yeah you definitely you blew my mind with that when we (laughs) when we started talking about this yeah and i think as a whole i think house music bear with me on this please please bear with me on this um house music which is what daft punk was known for and extreme horror or extreme movies in general kind of go hand in hand in a way that you don't expect in that they both break away from the mainstream they're very underground or at least house music was until Daft Punk brought it into the mainstream with their popularity. They took an idea that nobody wanted to touch and ran with it and made something of it. Kind of like Gaspar Noe does with extreme movies. Like, like back in the day, nobody cared, but now anytime he has a new movie coming out, ears perk up everybody's interested um so i think in that element not only do they have that actual connection but also in a weird way that spiritual connection please let me know if i'm making sense if i'm not please call me an idiot right now (laughs) no yeah yeah i mean definitely like having like those underground um sensibilities like i think like horror itself is is definitely not uh 
something that typically sweeps at award ceremonies or anything like that. So um, even though it is technically a popular genre, it's it's still definitely kind of, um, you know, not as, I don't want to say mainstream, but I mean, it's not <laughs> the norm, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. I guess kind of like we mentioned at the top with, you know, even though our podcast is technically about extreme uh, movies, that that means a lot of different things and and that maybe subversive is maybe a better descriptor. So I think something like house music that's very much like um, homegrown, I guess you could say, like that has the same kind of thing where it's like, yeah, we're this might not be like quote unquote extreme or anything like that but it is um a little more subversive a little more underground until you get these people who bring it um you know into the mainstream or get more popular um i think also obviously maybe the overall tone of the film is is not very poppy or <laughs> anything like that but there are a lot of a uh, party and like club scenes, so I think it's it is a kind of a fitting album, um, you know, like French house music, considering so much of the film takes place in these like club and like underground scenes. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I guess setting and things like that makes sense. Um, they pair it better. Than I also we like. yeah i also i like a little spin that i kind of thought about um after you know reading about like the performance where they're kind of like mixing elements of other songs um that's kind of what gaspar noe did is he took a film he already made and he recut it kind of like mixed it with with a live 2007 they took you know they took things and they remixed it so i think spiritually there that's kind of like a a a cool connection um not to mention uh the composer of the film has two music videos on the new blu-ray for irreversible that were directed by noe so uh, there's another connection yeah it's wild it's wild i saw it on the back of the case and i was like hold up hold up i was right vindication (laughs) Um, (laughs) there you go (laughs) but yeah totally agree like this is kind of set like in the underground like french club scene house scene um their ties are stronger than than one would expect um he was already in daft punk for like 10 years at this point too so he was already established um which which is wild that he composed this but very into it very love the score I picked Alive 2007 because I think it's the most accessible of all their albums and captures like the energy that they bring live. Um, plus, some of those remakes are fucking bangers. Like Superheroes with Human After All is that's on my daily playlist. I'm not going to lie. That one's real good. Um, totally. I think I think even if like um, you're not into this type of music, definitely check it out you might be surprised kind of like irreversible if you're not into that type of movie check it out you might be <laughs> you surprised might be surprised yeah fana do you have anything exciting going on soon anything exciting um not really no <laughs> i'm just vibing <laughs> um i'm just you know i excited to have free time i'm excited to be able to record more um definitely so i guess be on the lookout for episodes coming soon. Um, yeah, other than that, nothing too exciting. We'll see. I don't know. I might have some things, you know, working in the background, but nothing I can say for sure. So, um, same here. Um, got things in the background at all times, but, uh, yeah, nothing too much I can say. Just uh, gonna enjoy hot goss summer or sad goss summer, whichever one you want, <laughs> and uh, just kind of kind of go from there. Um, where can people find you, Vanna? Um, right now on Twitter and TikTok, you can find me at 
Horror Helion on Instagram. It is the Horror Helion. Um, I guess I'm not as active um, as I used to be, but I'm getting back into it now that I don't have a school. I can focus on making more posts and things like that. But uh, yeah. Right on. Right on. You can find me as always at JFC Doomblade. You can also find my writing, uh, my game writing over at bloodydisgusting.com. And you can find me recapping every episode of this season of Yellow Jackets over at fangoria.com. Um, probably gonna have some exciting announcement here pretty soon, but we'll see about that. Don't hold me to it. Um, you can follow the pod at Carnal EX Pod on Twitter, and we are available on Apple and Spotify. Please leave us a rating on Apple; it helps us, gets us more visible. Um, yeah, look forward to the next episode. We're we're brainstorming ideas. We got some cool stuff coming up. Um, oh yeah, I'm excited. We got some stuff coming. Yeah, big stuff coming. Well, not big, but exciting. Well, pretty big. <laughs> Well, but not that exciting. Well, but pretty exciting. You'll never know. You'll never get a straight answer from me. All right. (laughs) All right. We'll keep on your toes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 100%. Okay. So I'm going to call it here and uh, let's, uh, yeah, let's reconvene same time next week. We'll see you next time.